We gather today on this day, it's actually Transfiguration Sunday, and we find ourselves in the Gospel of Mark. Hear these words, it's the first chapter, the 29th verse through the 39th verse, hear these words. As they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Ever-equipping God as I speak, may you increase and I decrease. May the words you have given me for this message be seeds that rest in our hearts that we might bear fruit for you here on earth. May I be bold and courageous in speaking what it is you've given me to speak. And may we as your people have ears that hear. This is our prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. It's funny that we should talk about sickness today. We're rolling into Valentine's Day, and yet the, the gospel guides us to sickness. How many of us have been worried about sickness for the last year or so? We've been living in a pandemic, and in pandemic times, we do things a lot different than we used to do them. Some are asking me now, Barry, will the world ever get back to the way it was? I don't have that answer. I'm not, I don't know that much. But I know that we can read in the scripture about God's love for God's people. I love this story because I'm going to tell you, any of you have your preconceived ideas of what the disciples were like? We know their calling, right? Jesus walked amongst the shore and there are these hardy men. You know they had to be muscular, strong men. They're, they're throwing nets, they're working on boats, they're fishing. You know, one was a tax collector, but... Most of them are hardy, hardworking people, right? And, and you've got this picture of them. And when Jesus called them, well, they just picked up and left their work and went and followed Jesus. But did you hear the text today? When Jesus had called them and he had finished healing those he had healed in the synagogue, he went over with James and John, the sons of thunder. He went over to Simon, who we would come to know later in the, in the text as Peter, to Simon and Andrew's house. Jesus was coming 
to their home. In fact, Jesus got to their home. Think about that. They invited this new teacher before they really knew what he stood for into their home. They had heard him speak at the synagogue. He had called them from the shores. They had heard him speak in their synagogue. And now he's coming to their house. In my mind, I'm thinking, whoever is the lady of the house, have you called her to let her know that a guest is coming? I don't bring anybody to my house without calling my wife. Mm-mm. Right? Because that's her holy place. That, that's, my wife, we've lived in I don't know how many houses in our life, but she has this gift to take every house, and I'm talking double-digit houses, to take every house and make it a home. She just has a gift from God. And I'm sure that when somebody comes to that house, she wants that house presentable as the home God has established it as. Are, are lots of you ladies, are lots of you people who care for the house, are you like that? When people come to your house, you want to present that house as a home, a place of warmth, a place of love. And Jesus comes to Simon and Andrew's home. And, and in ancient world, Generations lived with generations. Parents and grandparents and kids, they all lived together. And he gets there, and we've read this. I don't know how many times I've read this text. Simon has a mother-in-law. Did you hear that? Simon's mother-in-law was sick. It doesn't say a lady in the house. It says Simon's mother-in-law. Do you know what that says about Peter, the one who became the rock of the church? He's married. How many times in our mind have we pictured the disciples as these big, hearty, single men who just left their work to go follow Jesus? Uh Uh-uh. Simon is married. He has a family. He has a mother-in-law. They all live with him. And he's giving up who he is to follow this man. He's giving up everything he knows. He's giving up that intimate relationship of living in that house to go with this itinerant preacher to all across the land and preach and teach and heal. The disciples' commitment was deep from the minute they said yes. And they invited Jesus into their home. Do you know why we're protective of our homes? I meet, and you all know, I meet with an accountability group every week. We are brothers in Christ, deep, deep, deep brothers. We have a new question. Is the man in public the same man that resides in the house? Or vice versa. Is the man who resides in the house the same man that the public sees. Simon and Andrew said, Jesus, you're welcome in our house. How many of us, if we want to answer that question that me and my men, Barry and his hearty men answer, are we the same in public? Are we the same at home as we are in public? Are we willing to invite Jesus into those intimate, nasty moments that happen at our houses? Disease was not a good thing in Jesus' time. People could declare you unclean. 
you would lose all your social status. You would lose all your ability to go and be around people. And they invited Jesus in to where the illness was, to the depth of his mother-in-law's illness. Now, the text does not say, and I've read, and I've read, and I've read, I can't find what she had. It may have been ancient COVID, I don't know. But they invited Jesus into that situation, which could have brought disgrace to the family. It could have jeopardized his health. It could have been some other illness or demon possession we don't know about. It could have been an addiction. You want me to keep going? It could have been insecurity. It could have been all sorts of these things that we claim as illness and we try to hide in our homes. And the disciples said, Jesus, come here. My mother-in-law, my family needs you. People, we're not in charge of healing our families. We're not in charge of healing our relationships. We're not in charge of healing ourselves. We have to invite God into that situation. And Simon and Andrew were bold and brave enough to do that. With all humility, they invited Jesus, the man of God, into their home to see their house exactly like it really was. Exactly with their beds unmade, the dishes in the sink, the floors not vacuumed, all the things we want, all the, the wounds and, the, and the, the stuff that's in our house that we want to hide from the public. They invited Jesus into that. And here's what I love. The text says they invited him in and he went to her. She did not have to come get out of her bed. She did not have to move away from her illness. They invited Jesus in and Jesus went immediately to her. God came and sourced right God's self right at the problem. You hear me? I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know all the things that might be diseased in your home or in your life. But I know this, that if we invite God into our lives, that God will come right to that problem. God will come right to that illness. God will come to that addiction. God will come to that marital struggle. God will come to that anger. God will come to that control problem. God will come to the moment and will meet you in that moment. And he won't slap you down. He won't hit you with a two by four. He won't gather you up by the neck, which many of us need. He won't twist your ear like my dad used to do when I was acting up in church. I sat in front of him, and if I messed up, I'd get this little twist on my ear. He went to her, and he extended his hand. The lady's diseased in a place that doesn't have hand sanitizer and masks. And God extended God's hand. To make physical touch the most intimate thing a human being can do with another human being is to touch one another. The way we express love is an appropriate touch with one another. 
for so long in our world, the right hand, the shake of the right hand has been our bond and our guarantee that says we care about you, we love you, and we will do what we say we are going to do. God started that. Because God reached down with God's hand and he saw this woman, whatever disease she had, And he touched her. He held her hand. And you got to love the next part. You've got to love the next part. He lifted her up. Do you hear me? He did not leave her where she was. Laying in her bed covered with disease. He didn't just take her hand and say, oh, I'll pray for you and walk out of the room. He met her. He looked at her. He said to her with his eyes, you are loved. And I know what you're going through, but I will deliver you from that. I know the dishonor that might face you because you have a guest in your house and you can't get up and take care of your guests. I know that you can't honor the gifts that God's given you with all of your talents because you are laid in your bed. I understand how bad you're hurting. I understand what you're grieving. I understand that your marriage is in struggle. I understand about the addiction and what you're trying to cover up in your life and what your coping coping mechanism is. I understand all of that stuff and I reach my hand out to you and I will lift you up. I will restore you to the person that God made you to be. I will restore you to honor. I will restore you to beauty. I will restore you to where you can say, I am a child of God. That's what God does. God comes into our lives and he says to us, I see you. I see you. I hear you. I know you. I feel your pain. No matter how you coat your home with pretty and gladness, no matter what you say is going on in your life, I know your heart. And I want to touch that heart. And I want to restore you. I want to restore you to who it is God made you to be. Again, I will say that Mark wasn't complete in his telling of the story. What did she say? What did she do? How did she look at Jesus? Did she say, oh, thank you, Lord? Or did she say, Lord, don't waste your time on me. I am worthless. Because we as human beings, those are the extremes. God will move in our life and we'll say we don't deserve it. God already said we did. What are you talking about? God, I'm not worthy. She didn't say that. He stuck out a hand and he lifted her up and put her in her place, restored her to her place of honor in the family, restored her to her her place where she could stand on the ground, restored her to where she could come and do what it is God had given her. So many times I hear people say, oh, Jesus restored her so she could wait on them. Right? I mean, that's the society we live in today. We look at the text and we look at it with our eyes. And we say, Jesus restored her just so she could take care of him. Right? No. Her gift was hospitality. 
her responsibility in her world, where she found all, where she found value in her family and in her community was through her gift of hospitality, her ability to meet people's needs, take care of people and make people feel welcome in her home and in the community. That was the God-given gift that was in her. And God reached down and touched her and put her back up and said, shine, sister. Shine. Serve. Do what it is God has asked you to do. How many of us, how many of us want to lay in the bed and say, God, we're sick. God, we're sick. We believe, but God, we're sick. God, we believe, but we don't think you can handle it. God, we believe. Don't worry. I got this. God, I'm in control. Don't worry, God. And all God does is stand and look at us and reach out God's hand. And God wants to restore us. God doesn't restore us, want to restore us so that we can brag. God wants to restore us so God's love can move on through us. She began to serve. She began to take care of the guests in her house, which in ancient times, that was what she was supposed to do. It's called hospitality. We from the state of Texas are known for our hospitality. You are welcome in my home and you will receive hospitality whether I like you or not. Because that's who God made us to be. He restored her. He restored her and word got out and guess what happened? He never left the doorsteps of that house. All day long. The community brought people. The text, I love this, because I want you to put this in frame. The text brought all who were sick and demon-possessed. You hear that? All. The text says the community did what the community should have done. They brought all who were demon-possessed and diseased to God. He healed most of them. That's what the text says. He healed most of them. You see, Frederick Buchner says this. The place God takes you is to the place of your deepest gladness where it meets the place of the world's deepest hurt. God matches your gifts with opportunities where you can serve. God takes your deepest gladness. If it's serving others by cooking meals, if it's serving others by building homes, if it's serving others by counseling them in their marriages, if it's serving others helping them with their addiction, if it's serving others by just providing a comfort and a listening ear, if it's serving others by giving out a hug when you see them, if it's serving, however it is that God has gifted you to serve, Once you've experienced the redemption of Jesus Christ through accepting him as Lord and Savior of your life, God's going to place you where your gladness, your deepest gladness, your deepest gifts match the wounds which you encounter. Do you hear what I'm saying? God takes you and puts you before people or brings people to you to which you can minister to the same way that you were ministered to. He didn't heal all of them. He healed most of them. Most of them. And then he went away. 
Please hear me say this. Jesus did what God asked him to do. Peter's mother-in-law did what God asked her to do. Simon and Andrew did what God asked them to do. James and John did what God asked them to do. But during that time, he went away to a solitude, solitude place, a place of solitude. Why? To be connected to the Father. To find out his direction. To feel his own spirit. So that he could continue to reach out a hand and lift people up and restore them to who they are so that they can go into the world. We, the people of God, we must come and sit with God. Whether it be here or in your closet or in a pasture or wherever it is, God meets you in your office. Wherever God meets you. One of my friends is in law enforcement. In fact, he's, he's the sheriff in that county. His holy place. His holy, he'll text me at 4.45 in the morning and say good morning. I don't read it till 6 or 7, maybe 8. He's on his way to his holy place. His holy place is his little cubicle office in the sheriff's department. He has all of his devotion books. He has crosses on the wall that remind him of experiences in his life because he's fed there and to get charged up for the day so that he can go out and deal with officers and public and people he has to deal with every day. He gets recharged. He's in his solitary place. Jesus went to the mountain. Everyone was looking for him. He went to the mountain so that he could be filled. So he could be filled when he came down from the mountain. He says this to them. Everyone is looking for you. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it be great if just for one day, everybody would look for Jesus? Just one day in this world, everybody would turn to you and say, can you help me find Jesus? Can you help me find a relationship with God? Wouldn't it be great if just one day we could have that in our world? Everybody's looking for you. And I love his response, and you need to hear this response. Come. Let's go on. Let's go on down the road because I have been called to preach the good news. And that's what God wants me to do. We cannot be comfortable just helping the one or two people who are in our close circle. God wants us to do that. But God did not move you to a place of new standing, a place of new honor, a place of new fulfillment, so that you stay in the same place you were. God is calling you to step out, to move on, to reach out to new circles of friends, to put yourself in places where your gladness meets the world's hurt. Where you can share your unique gifts that God has ordained in you. In those places, in those voids in the world that need those gifts. We must go on. So today I ask you, does he see you? Have you felt his touch? Have you been restored and lifted up? And is God calling you to go into the world? Go into the world and let your gladness heal others. So they can know his love too. This day, let us, the people of God, know we've been healed so that we can go and heal others. Amen and amen.